Welcome to the Low Key Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tim Malloy, with me out of Dallas, Texas, Keith Denny. Hello, sir. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. And out of Nashville, Tennessee, Aaron Lanton. Hey, hey, how's it going, everybody? Hello. And this week we are talking about the David Oyelowo time travel murder mystery, Don't Let Go. This is a movie with a lot to talk about. We're excited to get into it. Uh, do we want to go around and just start with our initial reactions? Yeah, and we're going to do our best not to spoil uh, any parts of the movie, as difficult as that is. But uh, I'll just say, um, for me, it was really gripping. I really enjoyed a lot of uh, what was going on in it, even though I got to say, man, you cannot uh, you cannot look away. You'll miss all kinds of, of really cool clues in the film. Uh, really captures you like from the moment it gets started. The acting's uh, really well done, and you know I really felt like you know it took me a moment to to figure out where it was going. Uh, but I really enjoyed the journey, and you know definitely feel like it's something worth checking out. Um, I, I just I just got a reaction to how well you said that man name. Like I've been trying <laughs> name for like the last. Four days, and I still think I've been been jacking it up. So, David Oyelowo. 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 The trick is, it's the color yellow and an O at the beginning and an O at the end. And I only know that because I got to interview him at the Sundance Film Festival when this movie first came out, when it had a different name, Relive. And uh, I spent about three days just practicing Oyelowo, Oyelowo, Oyelowo. And then also, my name is Malloy, so when you say Malloy and then you say Oyelowo right afterwards, just the O's and the Y's really get you. Yeah, it's just running all the way in together. You know well, what the other trick is, actually, that that's super duper helpful? So you could um, do like I did and just kind of accidentally bump into another podcast uh, that has him on it, Van Lathan's Red Pill Podcast. He actually was on that podcast talking about the film, don't let go. And he said his name. And I was like, oh, oh, yellow. Oh, got it. Boom. That was my trick. Boom. There you go. Um, I don't really know how I feel about the film yet. I, I watched it today. I probably should have watched it a couple of days ago to sit down and think about it more. And I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what I just watched. I'm not, <laughs> I don't know if it's a time travel movie. I don't know if it's a movie about parallel universes. I don't know if it's a movie about like where when you die, you really don't die. You just be transported into another world where you're actually living. I'm not really sure. Oh, damn. I hadn't even considered that possibility. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I had a hard time with the rules of this movie. Um, you know, when exactly does how exactly does the phone transmission work? And I kind of like the mystery of it. I kind of like you just have to accept that. Just for people who who don't know anything about this, the plot is um, David Oyelowo is an LAPD detective. He's got a niece played by Storm Reid, um, whose parents are maybe maybe have a history of some negligence. Um, the first scene is nobody comes to pick her up from the train station, so he has to jump in. Uh, they go to a diner together, and we kind of see how good their rapport is. Then her whole family very quickly uh, suffers a extremely violent tragedy. Um, and soon after that, he starts getting calls from her, kind of from beyond the grave. Um, I just heard Aaron. I just heard Aaron's son laugh in the background at like a really eerie time. So that was really well done. We didn't do that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so like the rest of the movie is 
kind of dancing across time from when she was still alive to the current moment when she's no longer alive. And are they going to be able to save each other from the grim fates they're going to encounter in each of their times? And as you may have guessed, it's really hard to keep track of and you've got to pay attention. So with that in mind, uh, okay, the the name is escaping me right now. We actually reviewed this film. It was on Netflix. It's about... See you yesterday. Thank you, thank you, because I had forgotten. So um, the rules of See You Yesterday, funny enough, are like, they're a little all over the place to some degree, but they're mostly pretty clear. I think you both are right that the thing is, this movie does not... It's not super interested in explaining how this stuff is happening because in most movies where you see some version of dimension or time travel, there is a, a some moment in the movie where there's a character who is asking questions that doesn't you know understand it. So then somebody who's there who is somehow using an apparatus or invention of some kind to do this, you know, time travel jumping or dimension jumping, they'll explain it to you. There are moments here, and even in the trailer, so we're not saying anything that, that isn't really known. Uh, so David Oyelowo's character, um, uh, his name is Jack Ratcliffe, uh, the detective. So he is in whatever time he's in. And he's getting calls from his niece, Ashley, who is in the past. That is normally kind of all over the place. But the thing is... Because of how things are functioning, it's possible for them to do things that influence their both of their timelines. And this is also clear in the trailer. That's very unusual for these kind of films normally. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Like where they're happening, it, like they're happening at the same time and able to communicate with each other at the same time is that. The, like I don't yeah, think I've like, ever seen this device before, personally. Like I don't think I've ever seen time travel work this way. Keith, like, can you think of a time this has worked? If it's actually or been I, done, excuse me, not that it's worked, that, but did you've seen it been done in a film? No. Yeah. Like I kind of hesitate to even call it time travel because it's it's sort of like parallel dimensions almost, where the yeah. two timelines are able to talk to each other. I mean, maybe there's that movie Frequency from, like, 1997 with Dennis Quaid. Um, yeah. Where he talks to his dad over a CB radio. Hmm. I haven't seen that one, I don't think. That, that is a pretty similar concept because his father had passed away by that time, right? Yeah, I think well, I so. Guess the way, um, and what's the, what's the word? What's the, um, not Inception, what's the movie? Interstellar. Okay. Kind of play some of the concepts of communicating with people across different times and in, in I guess parallel universe. Um, but then, but then it makes you think. Also, is this movie more supernatural than it is science fiction? But see, Interstellar would be interested. You know, if you kind of look at you know theories that have come out since then, people say, okay, if you get you know close to wormholes or you know interdimensional travel at those kind of speeds that kind of stuff in theory is possible like you'll hear people kind of explain some of that the only thing that we get that's even close to some sort of potential explanation and they mention it at the end um uh i said at the end so oh, well, at, no, at the uh, be a spoiler 
Hold up, hold up. Let me let me let me redo that. Um, the only thing that could come close to an explanation is actually um, mentioned fairly early um, during the funeral, which is just simply, you know, and we hear this. It's a regular trope in movies. Um, I wish I had a second chance. Yeah. And that's as close as we get to anything. It's not particularly, um, you know, it, it, you know, no, there's not like a, a a green stone in the background, like an um, infinity gem. It's like, okay, here we go. Time, <laughs> time gem is going to send you back. Because um, even even if you use that, it it, it it's a time gem, so it, it would send you backwards. Not put multiple things happening at one time together to influence one another. You know. Yeah, then they actually pray for a second chance. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's also make you think: Does is this supposed to say that God plays a point in it? Because you mentioned twice in the film, and is that like a almost a what's a deus machina type of device almost? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if it, if it's God, I don't know if it'd be deus machina. Maybe you could call it that potentially, but um, I don't know. Like it's. I actually was really um, fascinated, though, with at the relationship between uh, the, you know, uncle and the niece, in this case, Jack and Ashley. I mean, they both have a lot of trust in one another. And I feel like Storm and David did a really good job of, you know, <laughs> it's funny because it, it, there are moments when, like, when, when they finally get to trust each other, you know, and what they're asking each other to do, it, it's one thing. But then there are these moments where there's apprehension i wouldn't call it distrust but like a kind of you know what are you saying does it make any sense at all and what yeah they need to have a lot of faith in each other across timelines specifically she has to have a lot of faith in him and they do a good job of setting up their dynamic the writers jacob estes he did a he did a nice job of like establishing the relationship early he actually sets up a lot of stuff really early like one thing I like about this movie is you pretty much know what this movie is in the first like fifteen minutes or so. Oh yeah, it does it doesn't mess around. It gets you right in there. Like first fifteen, twenty minutes, like it establishes a whole lot really fast. Stuff that would normally take most movies about half an hour to forty minutes, at least. I'm kinda glad they skipped the explanation for how the time travel works because it's such a noir movie and then to have like, all right, there's a wizard and <laughs> <laughs> to like go down I don't know how they who they would introduce to explain that stuff I kind of like more just take it on faith like this is a magic phone relationship somehow it works he prayed for it maybe that's why it happened maybe there's just a split in time maybe I, I think possibly it works that it's all in his head um, but it doesn't I like that it doesn't get weighted down with like here's the physics of time travel Oh, almost like a Jacob's Ladder situation remember that movie i never seen jacob's ladder oh well hey, well pe- pe- people who who have listened who are listening now they'll know i, I won't get into the details and especially this is a remake coming out fascinating film go watch it uh, but um, yeah and, and now i'm still not convinced that this is actually a time travel film though like because it's like what is is it more of a paranormal thing or supernatural or is it more you know which it will have to be because there's no explanation to how this shit is happening, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so is it just playing with both of them or? Because that was that was a point where I was like, I don't, 
I don't think some of this is happening at one point, right? <laughs> yeah. This is all really be in Jack's mind. And this is just how he how he was dealing with his niece's death. Mm-hmm. And then there was also a part of me that was like, maybe, maybe Jack has always been dead. Like maybe, because there was a, I mean, not the, I mean, there might be some spoilers in saying this, but there was a, a point in the movie where I could have sworn he died. Right. And so I'm thinking to myself, that's when the movie completely changed. You know what I'm saying? I think he was losing it and then he dies. Because I feel like the lead that he was going to the first time he died seemed like it was unrelated to everything else, if I remember. And then after he died that time, he's in the car and he's like, what the, you know, like what's going on? Then everything from that kind of leads to him, you know, to what we get in the ending, right? So is this just him living out a chance to actually do right this time and have a second chance? But he's not really living, but he's replaying this whole scenario in the afterlife. See, I just, man, see, I, I can't even comment without super spoilers. That, that's that's really fascinating, actually, though. Hmm. Because it brought up again the fact that he dies the first time, right? I'm a spoiler again. I'm inclined to want to give this movie a happy ending and to feel like it has a happy ending because otherwise, <laughs> it's like, what's the point? Like, it doesn't seem like a you know, nihilistic, like, yeah, we're all going to die kind of movie. It seems like a, you know, love and a strong relationship can beat physics kind of movie to me. There's so many things in this movie that, man, they, they're just, they're really interesting. Uh, they happen at a split second and they ask you as a viewer to like, just really soak it in so quick because you know, there's always a possibility that, you know, this could, could completely change how events occur um, for, both Ashley and Jack and so it's it's just really it's just captivating like you just really want to see how it turns out you know um, I just say I mean it was at one point and I, I've never had this happen when I'm watching the screen or like I was standing up like the last 20 minutes hmm. <laughs> I was just like oh what's gonna happen uh oh um, I don't know man. It, it was just I don't know I, I was really not sure where it was gonna go I think another reason why I think that Jack was always was already dead is because like when you think about it he was so obsessed with figuring out her murder and that's when he first got the call from her right yeah and yeah then, and, and that that's a trope that happens in many movies right and then eventually he gets he gets shot and then you like okay he dies then and then it's almost like he comes back in a way right mm-hmm. but what i what i think and to add to tim's point is having a happy ending Like, what really defines a happy ending? In a sense, that's a happy ending to him because he is a detective. His family was murdered. And so the main thing, his main motivation was to somehow, some way, solve that murder. So he he wasn't going to be able to be arrested, you think, until he solved it, however it came together for him to find that peace. Exactly. So maybe... Maybe he's the ghost the whole time that's living out this whole scenario. I mean, the one wrinkle I would throw in this is it did ultimately get released by Blumhouse, and that is pretty much 
they they like their horror movies. I mean, they're the people who gave <laughs> us Get I... Out and <laughs> and Happy Death Day and all that. So like that does kind of make me lean more towards a supernatural explanation. Than and a Happy Death Day has no explanation, and it's pretty much just the concept of you constantly dying and coming back like what Groundhog Day. Yeah. Or um, me playing Hitman Two and constantly dying and figuring out a way to kill these bastards. <laughs> That game is hard as shit. <laughs> that game ain't that hard. Man, it can be. It can be. Mm-hmm. professional. Every game is hard to me. If I'm playing like Super Mario Kart, I'm losing. Well, Mar- I guess it depends on which version of it, too, actually, now I'm thinking about it. But, uh, that's nah, fair. But, uh, I mean... Like, what do you guys think? Like, what do you think this is more of a science fiction, time travel, parallel universe type of scenario? I go it, almost fantasy urban horror, I guess. I Sorry, I just did, like, urban horror where people just, like, there's black people in it. It's urban. <laughs> makes me I mean, fucking crazy I mean, when other people I, do I it. I thought you meant, like, city rather than black. Well, like, but, uh, it's like, it's like a euphemism that that we in the media use. Um, well, also, the content is kind of urban, you know what I'm saying? You well, do have drugs involved and, you know, drug dealing shit and gangster stuff. So, I mean, I, I, I can see that, urban. The, the guy who made it, Estes, um, he set it originally on a farm in Ohio. And yeah, then when Oyelowo got involved, he was like, oh, yeah, I can move this. Sure. Um and then, you know, he, I don't know if it was a drug thing, like a drug hit all along, but that's what it ended up being. Um, there's drugs on farms in Ohio, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think the opioid crisis would definitely agree. You don't get that sweet coca, but you do get the, uh, you do get, <laughs> <laughs> it could have been pills or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, you know, plenty of uh, legal stuff going on there, but, yeah, I mean, I think it, it's really cool that David Yellowo was like, hey, I want to be a part of this film. And, you know, I know it was originally written like this, but if, you know, it makes sense, let's let's uh, see if I can be involved. And um, I think that's a really interesting example, too, of like, you know, you, you know, you you um, go out and you say, OK, I want the role. I'm going to, you know ask for it and see what happens and then they pick the right person for it um now unfortunately that didn't happen enough but bloom house is definitely a studio that's willing to take some risk and and i think this is a you know a good example of a film you're not gonna see happening at at most of the major studios just because it's not um it's not meant to be like gory and it's like i mean it's not meant to like it's a character-driven story more than anything, I would argue. Um, yeah. And because it's not meant to specifically be super sci-fi or super fantasy, like, have have whatever that is, like, particularly, like, banged on your head, it, it, it's a harder sell yeah. uh, from a partner perspective, I, I, w- I would assume, for most studios. Like, because somebody, like, let's say you went to most major studios, and you're like, I want to make this movie, and I'm like, I don't know, like, can we have more, like, more guns? Can we have... I don't know more sex. It, like they, they had to find some way to like jazzy it up so like they could sell it, you know. It, it's really funny because like except it's a very straight like gritty crime drama, 
except for this supernatural or sci-fi twist. And I like movies that do that. Like I like movies that stay really true to genre, but then have like w- completely flip it in an unexpected way. Like I really do like that. Um, but it makes this very hard to explain to people. Um, mm. And, you know, God bless Bloomhouse. They take risks. They do some cool shit. Um, they have an incredible track record, especially lately. And, mm-hmm. and they put themselves out there and try try new things. And, like, I really, really appreciate that. Um, and also, you know, good for Oyelowo for, like, developing his own material, being very thoughtful about what he takes, and, you know, finding projects that he really wants to be involved in, and executive producing this, too. I mean, he wasn't just, like all right, I want this role. He was also like, I want to help develop this movie. Yeah, and I thought they did a good job with, you know, what they had. I mean, it's clearly not a very expensive movie, but it's very smart about how it uses set. It's almost like, you know, in some ways, like a theater play. I mean, they they only really go to about five or six different places, but they really use the settings very well. And living here, like, they make really good use of L.A. Like, there's not a lot of movies that do this well at finding locations. Um, mm. I mean, like seeing the metro stop, seeing like the park where they go at the end. It's very close to the newly named Obama Boulevard, which used to be Rodeo Boulevard. They do a good job with their L.A. geography. Let me just say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's and so I mean, we mentioned this real quick. Uh, I just want to emphasize it one more time. Uh, the acting in this movie is really, really, really good. Yeah. Um, you know, the the. Uh, <laughs> It's funny because not everybody always has a lot to do just because of how quickly things are moving. Because, like, you'll see just snippets of what people have done in the past or, I guess, past, future. I mean, what's that mean in this movie? Um, But when they get chances to shine, like, this is one part of it, you know, at the end uh, when Ashley's family is all together um, with their murderer and it is it's a really gripping scene um and and for you know more reasons than one um again super spoiler there can't get into it but it was really really well done yeah i i really did like um storm reed in this film yeah. is it stormy or storm but i think storm this storm okay i think she did a real good job job i think she's a, a rising talent yeah and um, I actually felt like, um, you know, worried for her in a lot of the scenes because some of the stuff she was doing was like on some like Nancy Drew Harriet the spy shit. But <laughs> is that, you know, Harriet or Nancy might get her brains blown out. I'm forgetting the girl is what well, she's supposed to be 16, right? Something like that. Yeah, but I guess in my brain, she looks like 12 or 13. And even though we see people playing teenagers get killed on screen all the time and not think twice about it when you're watching the slasher film but this just felt different and i felt that she um she seemed to be in true terror you know (laughs) throughout the film yeah it's just she did shit that didn't make sense though like i could i couldn't understand that bike thing like drop that damn bike like every time (laughs) i be she grabbed that that got that can bike leave the bike alone hey you know what you say that but i mean who they were tired and she wasn't at the end of the day that's like one of them horror tropes like when people doing something that takes them too long to move like freely and it was always that bike and you know what all right but but in general in horror movies fatigue's not a thing but 
you know, everybody she was running from were way older than her. She could have outran this mother. She could have outran. I don't know, man. I don't know. We can't get it. We can't ask a weirdly personal question. Has anybody run from someone who had a gun on them? No. Let me think for a second. No. I have. But, but with that in mind, I have. Oh, go. And let me okay. tell you that that I don't know if you ever have that dream where like you need to run from somebody, and like you can't run. Does that ever happen to you? You have the dream where it's like my legs are like moving more slowly than I want them to. I can't get I'm away too from terrified. the monster. I just end up, it just happens. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's like the worst dream, and it's it was exactly like that in real life. Like I went jogging, somebody like stopped me with a gun, like they like took my phone and my headphones and shit, and then they were like run, and then I like. It's like that dream. I would have much rather had a bike. That's <laughs> <laughs> a long story short. <laughs> but uh, I, I understood her trying to get on her bike. It was, um, it was, yeah, it sucks. So I, get, I guess uh, the setup of getting on a bike seems to take too long for me. I feel like I can run faster than it takes me to jump and hop on a bike. Look, all I'm going to say is not only are you faster than, than a per like unless this is like a freaking Olympic sprinter, you're going to be faster than that person. And on top of that, you're going to be way less tired. You can go way longer on a bike than they can just straight up running. No, I feel what you're saying. Like, if you already on the bike and you're good and going, fine. But the fact that she had to get her bike through small things, like she had to get it through a gate, she had to get it through some doors, she always <laughs> got to get it. She gotta, you know what I'm saying? She walking. Like, there was a point, it felt like a QTE in a video game, though. Like a Shinmu. She had yeah. like pressing the button properly to get it through stuff. Like, are you really trying to get this man time to catch up with you? And um, and you know what? I love the acting, but I will say there are certain things that the characters did that did not make sense. And I know we can't really get too into this without being completely spoilery. Mm-hmm. Spoilery. But um, it was certain stuff that I was like, I knew they was gonna do it because characters in these type of movies are pretty stupid. But then they did other things that were like, what, why did you do that? Like, what was the point of that? You know, why? The, the only thing that actually, and I wouldn't say like it, it bothered me necessarily, but I just feel like it really would have added something to the film is there's some motivations that if they had provided would have helped a whole lot. Like, why did the daddy, why did why he stay, for example? Spoiler. Is that a spoiler, really? Yes, yes, it's a spoiler. <laughs> They don't know who I'm talking about. You just you... said the daddy. You don't know who the dad. Anybody could be a daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, come on. Three daddies in the whole murder. The dad in the diner in scene one. Yeah, in the background. <laughs> dad. It's three daddy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying like, what the? It's... I just need to know why. Because it goes way out of its way to make him sympathetic, and it's like if he's gonna be sympathetic, I'm, I'm not, I'm not even sure we're keeping this, but if he's gonna be sympathetic, but then he's still doing this the shit when they say all you need to do is go. I need to know why he stayed. It can't just be some oh I just wanted to talk it out, you know, and I thought it'd be fine. I ain't, you know, whatever. Like I just need a reason. I like the whole sequence. There's a very dramatic sequence where the entire family is like put in peril, and I really did feel like. Jesus, what would I do in this situation? And it really does, it felt very real and very, like, fight or flight type of terror. And I thought that was, like, one of the best scenes, one of the most gripping scenes in the movie. Like, really well done. Oh, but see, somebody was going to have to die. If if your ass was warned and you didn't do what was asked of you to do, 
you need to be willing to fall on the sword in this case. Well, can't say what it but you need to be willing to, to go so everybody else can can have an attempt to leave. I would urge people to see the movie and put yourself in those shoes. I don't know what I don't know what the right thing to do is. It was too late. It was too late. Yeah. You got to know at that point it's too late. You you, you got to make a sacrifice cuz you you sacrifice them, you got to make the sacrifice up to you. That's Either the, you go or everybody go. That's the whole thing of being like the man in the horror movie where people are like <laughs> like yeah. Part of it is like I need to stand fight. There's the calculation of like do I fight the bad guy? Do I run and hope the bad guy will be appeased? If I run, what happens to my wife and daughter? Um, this is why everybody needs to get grizzly repellent and uh, keep it in their house. You know, if you See, don't want to have okay. a gun, you got to have that bear repellent and you got to be ready to use it and uh, blind the guy. I'm not saying this is somebody who's, you know, <laughs> thought of every situation need to be ready. But there's a difference between, like, do with knife, do with gun, do with fists. You know, like, uh, are they near the exit? Are they not near? It's like it's a lot of things. Is it one of them? Is it multiple? A lot of a lot of things to consider here. Um, you know, you could do that thing like an anime where they always like take me, and I'll give you the the jewel that you you know. That's know. the shit where some if somebody was like, you know, you you leave and I'll spare your family. Like, how do I know that? Yeah, like, well, I'm not here anymore to make sure that's true. <laughs> well, nine yeah, times well, out of ten, it's not gonna be true though. <laughs> Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like, so that's, but given the situation that they were put in, I mean, like, my whole thing is you don't take that chance. If somebody tells you, hey, do this or this happens, you do the this. You know what? I disagree. You fight no matter what. Like, and granted, when I got you kind of have to. I didn't do this. I didn't fight the guy with a gun. But like, oh no 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 no! But you're the only one there, right? Yeah. But if there's like if there's like a killer breaks into your house and is like. Just put these cuffs on. Everything will be cool if you. Oh do hell this. no! No 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 <laughs> right, no 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 exactly. no no no! It's like I'm that. probably gonna this die is anyway. Zodiac killer shit. Exactly. No. Yes. Right. No, like okay, so you know how like one of the the people that Zodiac and I'm not now just to be clear, I'm not criticizing the person this happened to because I remember they the dude that this happened to. I heard about it on the podcast. It was the Atlanta Monster slash Zodiac Killer podcast. What's, yeah. what's the name? Uh, I, what's the name of the guy who I does it? Called uh, Zodiac. Maybe it is. Um, there was one stores where. The couple's at the lake, and um, the worst. Yeah, it's horrible. Like, and they're kind of chilling, and Zodiac Killer runs up on him, and he's like, and the, and the guy's like, all right, he's just trying to rob us, so because he said put these cuffs on and stuff, because he had a gun on him. Now, the thing is, it's like he's thinking, okay, well, this is just gonna be a robbery, and that's it. But then he starts stabbing both of them, and he's like, oh no, I made a mistake here. Hold on, real quick, he robbed them without a gun. No, no, he had a gun. Oh, I was gonna say, who the fuck? He, he's he's pointing he's pointing a gun at him, and then he's like tied, like, like tied. Him at this point or something. Oh uh, no, no, but he was like, I got this gun. I want y'all to like tie tie some stuff up with yourselves. Now I, I'm I'm be honest, like it's gonna be hard for you to tell me to tie myself up and whoever I'm with. It's probably gonna happen. But I can't even tie not. <laughs> but yeah, so that, there's that part. That's that's kind of like I'm not a boy scout. That, that's kind of that that part. Like I, I'm I'm I'm, I'm a city boy. So. So does, you know, but but on top of that, the the thing that sucked though is the dude, he got stabbed first, and he was like, right, I'm just gonna play dead. But then like the girl started getting stabbed, and he, 
ended up surviving the like after everything was dead, they both were alive and, and, and like they prayed together and stuff and, and they were able to to make it until people got there. But then she passed away and he survived and he had a bunch of guilt about not fighting um, after the fact. But it's like, you know, how do you know? There's, yeah. How do you know to trust the, the word of the person with the gun? at you like i'm just gonna take some stuff from you i'm not gonna kill you you know yeah that's, like, that's like a blame the victim where it's like you can't you can't oh, hell pick, no. you should have expected that to happen when you were on a picnic with your girlfriend in the 70s like there's absolutely not. nothing that would have prepared him for that i know you're not saying that there's absolutely yeah. nothing that would prepare you for that and whatever he did is like you you're the victim you you didn't ask for this you didn't yeah but i mean if anybody's I, f- I, f- I feel like we're going to like all be killed by home invaders after having this conversation. People are going <laughs> to listen to this podcast and it's going to be like, that's amazing. But um, <laughs> my home is heavily fortified. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to tell you what, what will happen, but it'll be bad. <laughs> it'll be bad. You know what's funny? Like, I don't even know if we want to keep all this in the podcast. I'm gonna be real. Like, like Aaron's home has like a big gate outside. There's security. People, security people go by all the time. <laughs> Aaron I is wish. Like a tech genius. He has cameras and shit. Aaron, yeah, it looked. Aaron that that didn't save. Uh, that didn't save John Lennon. Well, John Lennon went out and roamed among the people. He shouldn't have done that. I, not to but blame that's not John he Lennon. He killed the house, though. <laughs> I'm not blaming John Lennon. I firmly blame Mark David Chapman. But anyway, Aaron owns an Uzi. Go to his that home I can't apparel. use, even in Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. But I will, I will sick my son's pee on you. He'll come right over and just, just give you a whole hose. <laughs> He's ready anytime, especially at night. He just wakes up. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, uh, this is going off the rails. Um, <laughs> if you have gotten this far, yeah, we'll pro- like you probably just missed like 10 minutes of, of uh, cut footage. But if you made it this far, thank you so much for getting here. <laughs> We appreciate your listen. Please tell one person about the pod. In fact, tell several if you feel so inclined. Uh, please follow the the uh, Instagram page, the Low Key Pod. All right, cool. guys. I'll holler at y'all soon. All right, we out. Peace. <laughs>